0: Take your Bibles and go to the book of Deuteronomy. My message this morning may be a little bit unusual. I'm going to kind of, I want to use an illustration tonight that may seem a little absurd, but I'm trying to, I think it will help get a message across. You know, I'm not trying to compare myself to Jesus, of course, but he did the same thing. He would kind of use extremes sometimes. He talked about how The Pharisees, they like to strain at the gnats that were in in other people's cups. But in their cup, they had a camel in it. That's kind of an extreme uh, right there. He's trying to get a message across. He talked about trying to get a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Uh, he He used examples like that. And I'm going to kind of use an example for you today. But I want to read a passage of Scripture for you first. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Now, Deuteronomy, we're getting to the end of The law that God has given Israel. God has given all kinds of commands. The Ten Commandments have been in here. Many, many other commandments. God has given them His perfect law. And in kind of a closing statement, I guess you could say, to the law, God says, See, I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil and that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shalt be drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to, go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey His voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell on the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Notice, God, He's being very clear. He said, I've set before you a choice today. Life and death, basically. Good and evil. Two very clear choices. God said, I call heaven and earth. Is witness against me, if you go against my law, you're going to perish. You're going to have problems. All these things are going to come against you. And sure enough, every bit of that happened. When Israel followed God, God blessed them greatly. Um, we don't read about a lot of those times of blessings because they kind of happened fast. Uh, but there was several periods of about 40 years where they followed God, where they kept the law, they served Him, and God blessed them in great ways. And then they'd get away from God. And that's usually what uh, we read about is when they went against God. And sure enough, things started happening. Famines would come into the land. Sicknesses and things would come. All these bad things would happen. And then they would repent. They'd turn to God. He'd bless them again. And throughout the Old Testament, we see that Israel obeying God, God blessing them like crazy. Israel disobeying God, God cursing them like crazy. One thing after another. Two choices had been laid before them. Life and death. I want to read a couple more verses to so you. You don't have to turn there. But John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. A thief comes for nothing but bad. Jesus came for only good so that we can have life. Not just physical life spiritual life. That's why He came. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others, how many of you, when you were little kids, you went to school to where they could teach you how to lose your temper? Okay. None. Of you ever went to that class? None. Of you ever took that class? I. I, never, I didn't take that class either. I. Uh, you know why? Because we didn't need to. We were born that way, by nature. Tommy, from the time he was just a few months old, had a temper like you wouldn't believe. He could. I mean, he would. Pa- he could pass out. He'd pass out all the time. Every day, he would pass out. Every, every day, he'd get mad about something and he would hold his breath and pass out. It scared us at first, but we got used to it. The doctors told us it was okay. But, I mean, I remember one of the first times I saw it. He was in the car and he was screaming. He was in his car seat and he was mad. I mean, mad. And we'd kind of have to blow in his face and we would it would make him breathe. And, uh, it was, it was scary. He had a temper. And by nature, and the truth is, we all had that at one time. We all. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. If you don't think that there was ever a time in your life where you were spiritually dead, then you probably still are. And you're in trouble. And one thing, and what I want to talk about today is a lot of times we get to looking at folks and we try to figure out, you know, well, why do people do all these things? You know, if what you're saying is the truth and you know that how come people don't just follow God? How come people don't just go ahead and serve God? I mean, if God always blesses when you do right, how come people don't just do right? I don't know if this really works. And I guess the best way to illustrate it is one thing that I think every parent probably dreads a lot is that day when some guy, or maybe your son or your daughter, brings somebody along and says, this is the one that I'm going to marry. I mean... You're scared of that, okay I mean you you look forward to it but at the same time you're like man, what if you pick somebody that I just don't like? I know moms you know they worry about the girl that their son is going to choose to marry you know they're worried about who that daughter- in- law is going to be dads they worry a great deal about who that son-in law is going to be they fear uh it's it's one thing that uh i'm not I'm not really looking forward to that stage of life. I know what's going to come, and when it does you know. That's fine, but i I'm, you know I can wait. But I want you I want you to just picture a young lady. She comes to her parents one day and she tells them I'm going to introduce you to the man I'm going to marry. And of course, just imagine what you would all think as a parent. Uh oh! All right, you know who's he going to be? I hope this guy's going to be okay. I hope he's going to treat her right. I hope he's going to be a good husband. And you and you're nervous and you go and she brings the guy into the house and. Uh, you're looking at him, there's something that's clearly wrong with him. First of all, she had, to, uh, she had to wheel him into the house, and his eyes were closed, and you're noticing that he doesn't have a whole lot of color. You know, maybe the dad goes and he goes to shake his hand, and he's very stiff. And after you are there for a while, you realize this guy's dead. <laughs> this guy. Is dead, and you're looking. Of course, I mean, there's going to be some concerns and things. She's like, "This is the man that I'm going to marry." Now, in America, uh, we're probably not too far from allowing people to marry dead people. The way uh, they're defi- trying to, uh, you know, make marriage pretty much anything you want it to be. That's we're probably not too far away from that. But uh, she says, "I'm going to marry. I'm going to marry this guy." And of course, parents, I me mean, as a parent, you're going to be very concerned about that. But let's just say that she does. She goes. And she marries this guy. And this girl, she, have, she, she marries a man. And after a few months, she comes to her mom. And, you know, moms, you probably, uh, if you have daughters that are married, you probably had it where they come and they'll tell you about the marriages and maybe some of the problems that are going to happen. And, and in this particular marriage, there's obviously some big problems uh, that are pretty much going, uh, starting from the get-go. And she comes over and she's like, she's talking to her mom one day and she says, Mom, we got a problem in our marriage right now. Of course, mom's concerned. What's the problem? He smells terrible. <laughs> no matter what I do, he always smells. No matter how much I wash him, no matter how much I do, he smells. And he smells really bad. It's just, it's getting worse and worse. And you know, the truth is, the Bible says that we were all dead in our trespasses and sin spiritually. We were all dead, in the, and what one of the things that we're seeing happen today is we're seeing people that are they're trying to fix other people's problems by religion. They're trying to fix other people's problems by maybe good works, like this, maybe this, this person they're struggling spiritually, and they think, I don't want to help them." Or maybe it's you. You're still spiritually dead, and you're struggling spiritually, and you just. Can't seem forgotten to so see you go, and people, they will, they'll get, they'll go to church. I go to church every time the doors are open. I, I've had people tell me, I, I'm there all the time. I've been baptized. I've taken communion. I've, I've done all the things. But there's just seems like there's something missing. Well, maybe you're still spiritually dead. If you're spiritually dead, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you've never been quickened by His Spirit, then I'm here to tell you, no matter how much religious stuff you do, you're still going to be dead spiritually. It's not gonna fix your problems. And we've got people today, they're trying all the religious stuff, thinking it's gonna help them, and it's not gonna help. Listen, I, I encourage you to try to get people to come to church and to visit church. I encourage you to do that. But just people coming to this church is not gonna fix their problem. They need to be, they need to be saved. They need to receive Christ in their heart. He, they need to be resurrected from the dead spiritually. That's what Jesus Christ did with me. And that's what He's going to have to do with anyone who really wants to solve the problems that they have, that really wants to fix that emptiness that they have. The Bible says that our righteousness, it's as a filthy rag. Spiritually, we all stink, terrible. And it was only the blood of Christ that could cleanse us from our sins. It was the only thing that could fix it. The baptismal waters will not wash your sins away. The communion will not wash your sins away. Doing the good works, giving money in the offering, getting, uh, becoming a member of a church, any of those things will not clean you up spiritually without the blood of Christ. We're all going to stink. And there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. There's nothing that we can do to fix it. A person who is dead after a while, they're going to stink. Remember Lazarus? He'd been in the grave four days. And his sister said, Lord, by now he stinketh. And I'm sure he did. But Jesus Christ was still able to raise Him from the dead. And there's people out there you look at, and let me tell you, spiritually, they stink. I mean, they stink something awful. But Jesus Christ could save them. He could fix that. No matter what it is, a lot of times we look at folks and we say it's too late. There's nothing that we can do. But Jesus Christ can. He can. And just going to church won't fix your problem. Just doing good things is not going to solve... Your problems. Romans 7.21, Paul's talking. He says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I didn't read the whole passage there, but basically what Paul's trying to say here is he's it's like, it's like, I'm trying to do good. He said, I'm trying. I'm trying to be the best kind of Christian that I can be. And Paul was somebody that most would say was probably the best Christian that ever lived. But Paul, even when he was doing good, he said, evil was present with me. There are some of the things that He... I mean, He didn't want to sin, but sometimes He did sin. And that that sin that's in our life, the only one that can fix it is Jesus Christ. Just going to church isn't going to help. That young lady, after she's married to that guy for a little while, I can just see her come... She comes to her mom a little while later. She says, Mom, my husband, hes just he's not fulfilling his responsibilities. Like he's, he's between jobs right now. Mom's thinking, what jobs is he between? Well, he had a job as a cadaver in, uh, in the university, and uh, you know, they, they got done with the, him there, and he's got a job coming up for Halloween uh, to be in one of the you know haunted houses as uh, kind of a decoration there. But he's right now, he's not really doing anything. He's not providing for the family. You know, well, he is dead. You know, most dead people aren't real good at that, except Elvis. I hear that Elvis is making more money now that he's dead than he did when he's alive. So I guess that can be done. That's probably a bad example. But he's not—he's not fulfilling his responsibilities. hes not doing what he's supposed to do as a husband. He's not keeping the grass. He's not mowing the grass. He's not doing any of the work around the house. Things are just falling apart. What is? What's going on? I can't get him to do the things that he's supposed to do. And you know what? People all over this world today are trying religion. Sometimes people are trying to get other people into religion to get them to do the things that they're supposed to do. And I'm here today to tell you that that's, that's not going to work. It might temporarily. There's, there's women out there today that they want to get their husbands in the church. They want to get him, they want to get him religious because they think if he does that, then he'll stop beating me. But the truth is, just going to church isn't going to fix it. Salvation is the only thing that can really take care of the real problem. Real victory it only comes through Christ. The apostle Paul, he said, "I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me." His power, it came from Christ. He was able to do the things he's able to do because he had Jesus Christ living inside of him. And I'm here today to tell you that you're the you're only going to get temporary victory if you just try to do it on your own. Listen, I've known a lot of people who they did they got in church boy and they just got involved and they were doing everything and they were just on fire and they were all excited and then all of a sudden, just boom, one day they're gone. They're right back to the old ways. They're back involved in alcohol or maybe back involved in drugs doing the things that they used to do. I mean, they just, just like they got out of it quick, they're right back in it just as quick. What's the problem? Maybe they didn't have what they needed inside of them. Maybe they're still... Spiritually dead, and the, the title of my message is "You can't expect much from a dead man," and that that wife, of course, she's kind of putting some unfair expectations on her husband. After all, he is dead. I mean, she can try. Uh, you know, you, she could prop him up in that haunted house. You know, make him look scary and all that. And you know what? You can drag somebody kicking and screaming into the house of God. You can make them act like a Christian. You can dress them up like a Christian. You can get them talking like a Christian and saying spiritual things like Christians do. You can get them doing all that stuff, but if nothing's changed inside, if they haven't spiritually been resurrected by Jesus Christ, then I'm here today to tell you it's only going to be a matter of time and it's going to be right back to the way it was before. We've got too many people that are trying... To get religion in people's lives instead of trying to get Christ in people's hearts, that's what they really need. That's where the real change comes from. Listen, people, I want you—you probably heard of—I think they call it like jailhouse religion. A lot of people when they're in jail, they—they get saved and they really get it. I mean, they—they realize I've done wrong. They get saved. I mean, they're saved. They change their lives. They get out and they go on. And they live decent lives. But there's a bunch of other folks that while they're in jail, they get religion. And they get real religious. And then they get out, and it's right back to what they were doing before. Truth is, nothing changed. I I knew a kid in the detention home one time that I talked to, and boy, this kid, he really seemed to get it. I mean, boy, he was reading his Bible all the time. he He was always asking questions. He was there at every service he would have. He'd make sure all the other kids came. It was always a choice for them to come. And a lot of times we usually only got about half, but while he was there, we were getting everybody. All the kids were coming out to it. And he was, he was reading his Bible all the time, and he really seemed to get it. He really seemed to understand it. And I remember we were so excited because we always were praying that we'd get one kid out of that detention home that would just really turn his life around and do something for Christ and maybe go back to the detention home when he was older and take over that ministry. And we were thinking, maybe this is going to be the one. And I remember the workers, they were talking about how different he was and they were talking about all the, all the good things that he was doing. And I remember he had to go away to St. Charles to, uh, for about six to eight months to the Department of Corrections there. And I remember when he got back out, we were waiting for him to get back out. We were hoping he'd contact us. And uh, he never contacted us. And kind of wondered what was happening. And one day I happened to come across him. I was out just knocking on doors inviting people to church. And I come up to this one house and him and another guy were there and the police were looking for the other guy. He had just gotten in trouble for something. And... and uh, They're kind of on the run. And I got to talking to him. I was like, where have you been? We were waiting to hear from you. We were hoping you'd come to church and everything. And it turned out he was right back in the same thing he was before. Right? I mean, he was right back in it. And honestly, I'm not trying to judge whether he got saved or whether he didn't get saved. But one thing that I can tell you today is that nobody's going to come out of that life unless Jesus Christ is inside them. And I'm afraid that he just got Religion. And religion is not going to fix a problem. Because I've seen other people who have. They've come through that stuff and they've they've done right and they've stayed right. And you can do that and a lot of times we're expecting things from people who uh that it's not gonna happen. They're spiritually dead. You can't expect much from them. They need Christ. That's why we need to pray for people. That's why we need to pray that they really get it. That's why we've got to make sure they understand the Gospel that it's not religion. It's Jesus Christ that makes the difference. And you can pick the best church in the world, but if you don't have Christ inside of you, you're not going to get anywhere. Maybe temporarily. He so did. he did really good for a little while, but he got right back in it. If you want something to be permanent, if you want to get real victory... You have to have Christ inside of you. This lady who marries this man, I can see another day she's talking to her mom. She's like, You know, we're still having problems. I just don't, I just can't really connect with him. We don't have a very deep connection. I don't know if he loves me or not. I don't know if he even cares. I can't really tell. Well, Dead people aren't real good at expressing emotion, and there's a reason for that. There is a huge difference between the living and the dead. Now, listen, I I, I, I can tell everybody in this room right now is alive. I, I can see it. I can look at you, and I can tell that you're alive. I've seen people. I've seen people in church that were asleep, but you can still tell that they were alive. It's just you can tell when there's life in somebody. I've been to plenty of funerals in my day, and you know what? No matter what those morticians do to them, and sometimes they do really good jobs, but they always look dead. You can tell. When somebody does not move at all for after 30-40 seconds, you know, they're dead. There's there's clearly there's clearly a problem here. You can tell there's a huge difference between the living and the dead. John 1 John three fourteen says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. There is a difference between the living and the dead, both physically and spiritually. Okay? I don't spend a whole lot of time hanging out in, in cemeteries. Okay, they're nice to go visit and go see the tombstones of people, you know. But it's not somewhere I would want to make a permanent residence. Okay, I'm I'm not going to do that. I like being around living people. Okay, I don't I don't want to go hang out. Uh, you know, I'm glad I'm not a mortician. I thank God for morticians. Uh, somebody needs to do it, but I'm glad it's not me. I don't like being around dead people. It's not one of my favorite things to do because we don't have a whole lot in common. And you can go have a conversation with a dead person, and let me tell you, it's going to be pretty boring. It's going to be pretty one way. And I can guarantee you, if he starts talking back, you're probably going to get pretty scared and go running out of there. And, you know, don't get too freaked out. I know, listen, in our society today, I mean, it's all about. Dead people. I mean, look at how many vampire movies, how many zombie movies. I mean, it's it's crazy how fascinating. So I, I know you shouldn't be too freaked out because we're pretty desensitized to that stuff. But there's a huge difference. And it's the same thing spiritually. There is a difference between someone who is saved and someone who is lost. We know we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. If you're saved today... There's going to be a connection that you have with God's people. There's something that you have in common that brings you closer together. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's like that family connection. You can't help but love... I me. Mean, just Listen, you want to kill your brothers and sisters sometimes. I understand that. But you can't help but love them. All right, My four sisters, we fought like cats and dogs growing up. But I always loved them. You can't help but love... Your family. When you have that family connection, and it's the same thing spiritually. When you're saved, you just can't help but love other saved people. There's something you have. You have things in common with each other. There's that connection. It's special. It's important. And listen, you're not going to have that with the lost. Listen, I would rather I'd rather be at church than hanging out in the bar. You know why? Because these are my people. Right here, others they would rather be in a bar than be in the church. Well, they shouldn't be that way. You know, they ought to want to go to church. Listen, maybe they're not saved. Don't expect too much from someone who's spiritually dead. Don't expect much from someone who is lost. There's if if we're saved, there's things that we will do. There's things that we're not going to do. We've got the Holy Spirit; He guides us. He helps us do the right things. And a lot of times we'll look at other people. I can't believe, well, that person, their mouth, that is so filthy. I can't believe they talk that way. They shouldn't talk that way. No, you're right. They shouldn't. They shouldn't be that kind of person. But maybe the problem is they're spiritually dead. And they're doing what spiritually dead people do. You were all, listen, we were all there at one point. I got saved when I was just a child. But I was still spiritually dead before that. I still, I still. Lied. I lost my temper. I did all those sinful things people do. Thankfully, I got saved early and it didn't progress to where uh, you know it could have, but it would have I was on that path. And I remember that. And you ought to remember that too. There may have been a time where you were the drunk. Maybe you were the one with the filthy mouth. Maybe you were the one that, did. that told the dirty jokes. And you ought to remember how it was back then. And say, but you know what? Jesus Christ came to my heart and He saved me. And that's what we need to be praying for these other people. As long as they're lost, they're going to keep doing what spiritually dead people do. They're going to keep making the same mistakes that they make. It's it's not going to change. They're going to continue to go down those bad paths. They're going to continue to get worse. And people who are spiritually dead, they cannot understand things that are spiritual. It's like, well, you know, my family or my friends... They don't understand, you know, why I go to church, and they don't understand why I do some of the things I do and why I don't do some things. Because the things that you're doing, it's spiritual, and the spiritually dead cannot comprehend that. First Corinthians, chapter two, verse fourteen, it says, "But the natural man, talking about it, normal man, one who's lost, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him." neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, a saved person, judgeth all things or understands all things. Yet he himself is judged or understood of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that ye may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. There's a difference. We understand the things in the Bible because the... God, who gave us this Bible, is the same God that dwells in our heart, and He gives us understanding. Somebody who is lost, somebody who is spiritually dead, they're not going to get it. They're not going to understand the love of your enemies. They're not going to understand the turn the other cheeks. They're not going to understand the things of God. They're not going to understand faith. They're not going to understand. They're not going to understand doing good works just to do good works. People understand doing good things so you can get something good. We call, they call that karma. Do good things and good things will happen to you. People understand that. Okay, I'm all for that. But how about just doing good things just because it's the right thing to do whether good things happen to you or not? they are not going to get that. That's spiritually discerned. The spiritually dead cannot understand the spiritual. There's always going to be a disconnect between us and lost people. I'm not saying you can't have any that are friends. I've got people that I care very much for uh, that, are, that are lost. I have people that I, you know, there's things that we have in common, things that we can talk about. We get along. But at the same time, though, when it comes to the spiritual, then it ends there. Maybe we have something in common. We can talk about, you know, ball teams and we can talk about jobs or, uh, you know, things that people like to talk about. We have that connection there. We can talk about politics, whatever. But listen, when it comes to the spiritual, it's not there. They don't understand that. They don't get that, and it's—they're not going to until they're saved. You cannot expect much from somebody who's spiritually dead. There's going to be a difference, and just like a person who is married to a dead person is going to—there's going to be a huge emotional disconnect there. Same thing applies spiritually, and eventually, what's going to happen? This lady, she's. Been married to this guy for a while now. She, they've, they've been married for about a year. Getting ready to celebrate their one year anniversary. Should be a happy time, but she goes to her mom and she's complaining again. She says, Mom, things are beginning to fall apart. He's beginning to fall apart. I tried to hold his hand the other day and it came disconnected from the rest of his body. Parts are, it's, he's falling apart, Mom. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how long I'll be able to hold this thing together. And the truth is it is that's that's what happens dead things start to fall apart that's why as much as we love people even when they die we have to put them in the ground we have we have to put them in the grave and they can wait for that resurrection that's going to come in the last days but we have to do that if we don't there's a movie that they made several years ago about somebody who loved his mom very much and kept his mom around even after she died and I believe they called him Psycho. <laughs> and that is, that is true. Uh, and it, everything's going he's gonna fall apart. And spiritually, if you're trying to do things spiritually, when you are spiritually dead, it's gonna fall apart. It's not going to last. It's, it's all, it's all gonna end at some point. It's gonna have to. It cannot possibly survive. Listen, there's pastors out there today that are, that are building churches and that are preaching and seem to be doing great things but even they're not they're not alive spiritually. Listen, there's preachers out there that are lost. That's that's true. The Bible says on judgment, there's going to be many in that day that will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name and in Thy name cast out devils and in Thy name done many wonderful works so Jesus will say to them, depart from Me, I never knew you. There's people out there that seem to be doing great things, but they're not saved. And it's only a matter of time before that all it all falls apart. You hear all the time about people crashing and burning. I'm not saying they're all lost. Listen, saved people can mess up too. But I wonder sometimes do these folks even have the Holy Spirit inside them? Were they really saved? Jesus, And Jesus Christ, He is the only One that can put things back together. Psalms chapter 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and establish my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God, many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord." I love that passage. There's God brought me out of a horrible place. Uh, many people, they can give testimonies about horrible places they were at spiritually. They'll talk about the sins that they were involved in and just how much they had destroyed their life. And then they say, but, and then I found Jesus Christ. And He saved my soul. And I was able to get out of all that mess. I quit doing the things that I used to do. And the Lord He gave me a good life. He's given me a good wife. He's given me a good family. And God's blessing my life. And He's using me now. You know why? It was Jesus Christ. He put it back together. He's the only one that can do that. Jesus Christ is the only one that can take something that's dead and decaying and give it life. He did it with Lazarus. He can and he does it with people all the time, no matter what point they're in. Listen, there's coming a day. There's coming a day when the saved are going to be physically resurrected along with that spiritual resurrection. That day is coming. And people say, and I believe I believe God is going to resurrect this body. I don't have time to go into all the scriptures, but someday, if the Lord tarries is coming, I'm going to die. I'm going to be put in a grave. I'm going to rot. I'm going to fall apart. I'm going to do what dead people do. But someday though, God's going to resurrect this body. He's going to put it all back together. How can He do that? I don't know for sure, but probably the same way that He resurrected that body of His that had been mangled on that cross. He resurrected His own body. He came back to life the same way He brought other dead people back to life. He's going to do that to us someday. Say, well, what about people who are cremated? I don't think God's going to have a problem with that. I think He can handle... Make an, if he took dust and made man if he took nothing and made this universe I think he can take ashes and make a body for us no problem but where are they all at? They, we scattered them over the ocean he'll find them he can find He can find them no problem that's not going to be a problem for God he can put anything back together and many times we look at people's lives and we say it's too late there's nothing that can be done it's too big of a mess you don't know my God very well he can, he can fix that He can change that. He can restore it. We can't. There's absolutely nothing we can do. We can put them through all the programs. We can do all the interventions and things we want. But what they really need is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can restore what's dead. John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You remember before He was crucified, people said that they tried to use those words against him, saying that he was going to destroy the uh, temple there in Israel. But then it said the Jews said, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and thou and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. And you know what they did destroy that temple. When he when he hung on that cross, I mean he it wasn't like in the little crucifixes you see. It wasn't like in the pictures. They mangled his body with that cat and nine tails. They beat him in the face while blindfolded. They plucked the beard from off of his face. I mean, it was horrible what they did to him. But after three days, he was back to normal, with the exception of those prints in his hands and in his side that he left on purpose, so people would know who he really was. That he wasn't just a lookalike. That this was this was really him, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can restore what's dead. Jesus Christ is life. John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth My word and believeth on Him that sent Me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. You think, if somebody's spiritually dead, then how can they hear something Spiritually? That's the only thing they can't hear is the voice of God. That's why when we, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to people's hearts. God uses us. God uses preaching. He uses His Word. But it's the Holy Spirit that draws man. And, they can, and even while spiritually dead, it can be heard. And if they will listen, God will resurrect them. It says, For as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. Marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the time or in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. We see there that Jesus Christ is the source of life. He got that from God who was the one that created life. We just spent millions of dollars sending something to Mars looking for some sign of life. And they're trying to figure out why there's not life there. They're you know, studying the atmosphere and all these things, and you know, they'll give you a scientific reason for why there's no life there. But the real reason there is no life there is because God didn't choose to put it there. Life comes from Him. They found a spot where they think it looks like there was an ancient stream. There may have been water there at one time. And most life comes from water. No, life doesn't come from water, it comes from God. And even if there was water there, it doesn't mean there was life, unless God chose to put it there. Life comes from Him. And real life is following, it's following Christ, and it's following His word. It's keeping His commandments. We see that there in Deuteronomy, He said, "I set before you this day: life and good, death and evil." What the world is saying is life today. What the world is doing is not life. It's death. The things of this flesh, they lead only to death. They lead only to destruction. They lead to evil. The things of God, they that is what real life is. And Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And the reason we see all this crazy stuff going on in the world today is because... There's a lot of spiritually dead out there today. And what we need is we need to get the Gospel to them and see them get saved. And if they get saved, they'll be resurrected. and Then, then they'll understand you. Like my family, they, just, they don't understand how we are. They don't understand why we do the things we do. Pray that God saves them. If they get saved, then they'll understand it. Until then, it's not going to happen. Listen, there's some things that I do and there's some things that I believe that I won't even try explaining to a lost person. I'm wasting my time. The Bible says not to cast your pearls before a swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. There's there's some jewels and things that God has given us in his word that the lost cannot understand and I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to waste my time doing that. If they want to know about me, if they want to understand me, I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ. And if they and if they get saved, then we can talk about some of these other things. But I'm just here today to tell you though. You can't expect much from a dead man. Just like no sane person would try to have a relationship with a dead person. because it's just, It can't work. There's some things we need to understand they're not going to work with people who are spiritually dead. And we need to start asking God to save them, not just trying to give them religion. It won't do a bit of good. So let's stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.